0: Say so much more. more. We are in our final weeks of 2018, and I want to tell you, God is not finished yet. God has so much more He wants to do in your life, through your life. And I want to preach a message to you that's really been stirring on the inside of me. I've been thinking about the title of this message for a while, and I wanted to make the message really personal, but I felt like the title might get awkward if it's too personal. So I decided to make it very general, and the title of the message is Pregnant with a Promise. Everybody say, Pregnant with the Promise. I was going to title the message, Let's Get Pregnant, but that just didn't feel appropriate for church. Um, everybody say, Pregnant with the Promise. Turn to the person next to you and say, Are you pregnant? No, don't ask that. I've gotten in too much trouble asking that question. Say, Are you pregnant with the promise? Pregnant with the promise. I came to announce to men and women, young and old, you are pregnant with the promises of God. Now, that may not make sense to you. You might be going, what is this guy talking about? There is no way that men could be pregnant. There is no way that we are pregnant. But listen, the the Bible talks about the seed of God's word growing on the inside of us. The Bible says, when you ask Jesus in your heart, the mystery of all the ages is Christ in you. And in Christ lies all the promises of God all the treasures of God's word is in Christ and if Christ is in you then you are pregnant with a promise you are carrying future dreams future visions future miracles you haven't seen your best days yet you've got so much more in store for your life there's untapped potential on the inside of you if you have Jesus in your heart then you are pregnant with the promises of God it's just a matter of time before they come to fruition There was a man in Seoul, South Korea, 40 years ago. His his name was Dr. Young Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world. And he told his small congregation, 40 years ago, he said, I am pregnant with a bicycle. And he needed transportation. So he was saying, I am pregnant with a bicycle. And they laughed. They said, you are not pregnant with a bicycle. There is no way you could be pregnant. He he said, no, I am pregnant with the bicycle. He needed a bicycle to go visit all of his church members. He needed the transportation. God will never give you a vision or a mission without the means of provision that he intends to bring into your life. God won't ask you to do something that he doesn't plan on providing all the means for you to do it. So if God's called you to be a pastor and you got to go visit people and and minister to people, he's going to give you the provision, the transportation. If God's called you to be a mother, a father, he's going to give you the tools you need. If God's called you to be a husband, a wife, God will not call you to do something that he does not intend to provide what you need for that thing he's called you to do. So Dr. Cho, he said, I'm pregnant with a bicycle. And they laughed, but sure enough, God blessed Dr. Cho with the bicycle. He started telling his congregation, we are pregnant with our own church building. They didn't own a building. Sure enough, God brought the building into their life. Now you might think that sounds a little crazy. I just don't know. The Bible says it is impossible. Hebrews 11 verse six says it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. And you might say, "Well, well, what is faith? Faith, Hebrews 11, verse one, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith is not something you can see right now. Faith is something that's coming. When a woman is pregnant, she can't see the baby unless she goes to the doctor and they, you know, they, uh, what, what do they do? The sonogram. Okay. What's it called? The ultrasound. I don't know what a sonogram is. The <laughs> ultrasound. The ultrasound helps them to know there's something on the inside of them. They're not crazy. Those kicks that there's something that's coming forth. There's a sense of expectancy, anticipation. And the word right now in the church calendar leading up towards Christmas is a word called Advent, which means waiting expectantly, expecting Christ to return again, anticipating Jesus to show up. How many are anticipating Jesus to show up in a greater way in your life? How many could use some favor in your future? Some some assistance from God. If you don't need God's favor, I would say you're dreaming too small. You're thinking too small because all of us in this room, God's called us to need his favor. God's called us to live in a way where we cannot do it on our own. I know this, I can't raise my four-year-old, three-year-old, and seven-month-old, my wife and I, we can't do it without God's grace and favor on our life. I can't be the husband he's called me to be, the pastor he's called me to be, without the favor of God, the grace of God. There are dreams in my heart that I simply don't have the connections, the skills, the education, but the favor of God is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And I'll tell you today, some of you are pregnant with some miracles that are about to just blow your mind God's about to do some things in your life that are beyond explaining beyond reason beyond logic that simply people go that had to be God I want to take you to Luke chapter one because this is really the story of Christmas is a story of pregnancy it's a story of miracles go ahead to Luke chapter one verse five yeah we can make some noise And I'm gonna give you five ways to see the promises of God come to pass in your life, five ways through Luke chapter one. Now, in the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And Zechariah belonged to the priestly division. So Zechariah was part of all the pastors in that season, in that time. He was a priest. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together, they lived an honorable life. The Bible says they were good people. They did the right things. They tried to obey God. Zechariah wasn't messing around with any other women. Uh, Elizabeth wasn't messing around with any other men. They weren't doing any bad, sinful stuff. They were living good. But, the Bible says, but... No matter how good they were, they still couldn't have kids. There was a shortage in their life. There was a lacking in their life. They were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive. You can do all the right things, show up to church, tithe, and yet somehow there's still an area in your life where you're disappointed. There's an area in your life where you haven't seen God show up yet. And I want to tell you today that the shortage is a setup for God to show up. The shortage is not a mistake in your life. The shortage is God's platform to show his glory in your life. There's a reason why you don't have it all together. There's a reason why not every area is working 100%. It's because God wants to show up and get some glory in your life. See, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they were known for being good people, but they were not known for having children. God was about to do a miracle in their life where people would go, that had to be God. Everybody say, my shortage shortage. is a a setup for God to show up. How many have a shortage right now in your life? An area where you could use something God could show up in your life. You're believing for something. Maybe it's peace. Maybe you came here this morning and you're stressed. You're worried. You're anxious. You need peace. Maybe it's joy. You're depressed. You're discouraged. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one in your life. You feel like there's a lacking in your life. You're missing someone at the dinner table at Christmas. You're looking at the empty chair. You're seeing the shortage in your life. The lackage. God says, I'm about to show up on your behalf. I'm going to bring joy where there's depression. I'm going to bring peace where there's chaos. I'm going to bring hope where there's hopelessness for the single woman in the room. That's been waiting on a husband. Get ready. God's about to show up and bring you a hallmark man of your dreams. Somebody say my shortage is a setup for God to show up. Now, let me say this. Some of y'all in the room are already skeptical. You're already going. Oh yeah. One of those faith messages, And the key to the entire Bible is believing the the key to anything that we're going to access in this life that's outside of our connections is believing the enemy attacks belief more than anything else. Your sin is not really a desire to sin. It's a lack of trusting that God can meet that need. It's it's a lack of believing that God can somehow satisfy you outside of that sin. The enemy attacks belief because belief is what produces salvation in your life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever behaves right shall not perish but have everlasting life. Did I say it wrong? That whosoever believes... Number one, the key to seeing the promises of God come to pass in your life is believing, believing. I'm gonna give you five keys right now to get pregnant, spiritually pregnant. Y'all are like, I think I know how to get pregnant. Now listen, <laughs> I'm talking about spiritually impregnated to see the promises of God come to pass. You've gotta believe. Now even non-Christians get this. Now listen, there was a guy in 1987 named Jim and he was acting in Hollywood and yet he wasn't getting any good breaks. He was literally living in his car. He wasn't a Christian, but he knew that the concept of what you believe attracts what you experience. That your believing is attracting things into your life. For the girl in the room who thinks all I attract is bad guys. All I end up with is bad guys. I only attract bad. You are believing that and you're attracting that into your You need to change what you're expecting. You need to start expecting, no, I'm attracting the right man of God into my life. For the, for the guy in the room who thinks I'll never get married, or the, the couple in the room will never have children, you are attracting, You are accepting negative circumstances in your life. You need to start believing. You might say, well, Paul, what good is it to believe good things are going to happen? What, what, what good is it? I might as well just accept it. This is the reality. I just need to accept my reality. It takes just as much energy to speak faith-filled thoughts as it does to speak fear-filled thoughts. It takes just as much time, effort, and focus and energy to speak negativity of your future, to believe negative circumstances are always gonna be permanent in your life as it does to believe things are turning around. God's bringing the thing into my life that I need. God was about to show up in Zachariah and Elizabeth's life. They were barren, they were childless. They thought they had missed their window of opportunity. And yet their shortage was a setup for God to show up. And Jim wrote this in 1987. He wrote a check in his car for $10 million. Sitting in Hollywood, he said, someday I'm going to be a high-paid actor. And I'm going to get a $10 million check. Now, he wasn't even a Christian. And in 1994, Jim Carrey acted in Dumb and Dumber. And everybody went to go see Dumb and Dumber. And Jim Carrey got $10 million for acting in that movie. Now, listen. If non-Christians are tapping into the mindset, the concept of believing, why can't Christians accept? This is a biblical principle. Non-Christians have taken a biblical principle and they've tried to tie it into believing in themselves. Believing in yourself only gets you so far. But when you start believing in the God who created the cosmos, who created something out of nothing, who said, let there be light and bam, there was light, who said, let there be trees and there were trees, who said, let there be sharks and whales and lizards and alligators. God created everything out of his mouth. What are you believing for? Some of us came to church, and the only thing we can believe God for is just not to be stressed for one hour. And God says, fine, I'll, I'll give you peace for one hour, but I also want to bless your family. I also want to heal your marriage. I also want to heal that hole in your heart ever since your dad died. I want to fix that thing that you've been doing. De- I want to change that addiction. I want to break that bad habit off your life. I didn't just come to give you 30 minutes of peace in a church service. I came to give you peace for the rest of your life. God wants to do something supernatural. So Zechariah was ministering before the Lord. He went into the temple, and all of a sudden, an angel appeared before Zechariah. And the Bible says Zechariah was paralyzed with fear. And the angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid. And I want to speak that to you this morning. Don't be afraid. Everybody say, Don't be scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Some of you are walking in fear right now because you think God's not gonna show up. You think that legal situation is gonna end out bad for you. You need to get your belief in God's provision, God's protection, God's deliverance. The angel said, Zachariah, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will conceive a son, and you will name him John, and you are going to leap like a gazelle for joy. Not only you, but many will delight in John's birth. He will achieve great stature with God. He will drink neither wine nor beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment John leaves his mother's womb. He will turn sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He will herald God's arrival in the style and strength of Elijah. He he will soften the hearts of parents to their children. He will kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He will get people ready for God. You know what? The, you know what God was saying to Zechariah. He's saying the future is inside you. The future is inside your wife. Now Zechariah questioned. He said in the next verse, Zechariah goes, "Do you expect me to believe this, God?" That's what some of y'all are doing right now. As I'm preaching in your mind, you're going. Yeah, right, I don't buy this bull-loney. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it G-rated on Christmas weekend. I'm not buying this preacher's stuff, this hope-filled, get your hopes up, believe that God's gonna show up type of message. That's what Zechariah did. He was a pastor, a priest. He said, God, do you expect me to believe this? I am old, and my lady's old, too. That's what Zechariah said. This chapter is a story of multi-generational miracles. God's in the business of doing miracles for 80-year-olds 80 and eight-year-olds. We're about to see God show up in grandparents, well, elderly people, and teenagers' lives in Luke chapter one. But the question is, do you believe? Zechariah questioned. And so the angel said to Zachariah, watch this. The angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, and I've been sent especially to you to bring good news. But because you won't believe me, There it is right there. You won't believe me. You won't believe me. You won't believe. Because you won't believe, you will be unable to say a word. Sometimes God has to shut you up to stop you from cursing your future. Some of you have been cursing your future. You've been speaking negativity over your future. And God says, I'm going to shut your mouth because this miracle is going to come to pass whether you want it or not. The future is inside you. Put your hand over your belly and just say, the future is inside me. There's future dreams inside you. There's future miracles inside you. There's future potential inside you. There's future books to be written, ministries to be started. There's future uh, millions of dollars that God wants to bring through you to fund the future of missionaries and churches and and rescue homes and orphanages. The future is inside you. The devil's trying to abort the baby. The devil's trying everything he can to stop you from believing. If he can stop you from believing, he can make it a stillborn. But God says, no weapon formed against that dream inside you shall prosper. I put something inside you that I intend to bring to pass. If I have to shut your mouth, I will. So the angel shut Zachariah's mouth. He walks out of the temple. He can't even talk. He's mute. And he's trying to do sign language and he's never done sign language before. Shout out to our sign language team over here doing an incredible job. And he goes home and Elizabeth gets pregnant. Now, I I hear some thoughts going on in the room right now. You're going, Paul, this is straight out of context. (laughs) It's not straight out of Compton. This is straight out of context right here. How are you going to preach a message that God wants to do a miracle in my life because he did it for someone 2,000 years ago? It happened back then, but it's not going to happen for me. As long as you keep saying that, you will eat that. As long as you keep criticizing the message of faith, the message of hope. And listen, you can spend all day talking negativity, and you tell me where that gets you. You could spend all day thinking fear-filled thoughts, negative thoughts. God's not gonna show up. You tell me where that leads you. One of the biggest things that believing God does is it changes your heart. It changes your attitude. I think some people in your family would be happier around you if you started speaking with more positivity, more optimism, instead of saying it's all doom and gloom, things aren't gonna get better, I'm never gonna get healed, we'll never get out of this mess, we'll never be debt-free. Why not start believing that what God said in his word, his word has more than 400 promises for you and for me that he will provide for us. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's El Shaddai, our protector, that he watches over our children. See, God was getting ready to do something, and he needed someone to believe. Believe. Get your hopes up. In 1 Samuel four twenty one, this woman was giving birth to a son. And she heard news right as her son was coming out. She heard news that her husband had just died, that her father-in-law had fallen backwards in his chair and broke his neck. And when she heard these two things, she heard that the enemies had come and taken over Israel. She was so discouraged in her present that she named her future based on her present. She spoke over the child that was coming out of her womb. She said, Ichabod will be his name. If you're looking for a new name for your kids, it's not Ichabod. Everybody say Ichabod. Ichabod means the glory has departed. The glory of God has left us. God is not with us. This is why this happens in the Old Testament. This is why one of the first proclamations in the New Testament is another I word, Emmanuel. God is with us. See, you either accept the Ichabod spirit or the Emmanuel spirit. You either accept that God's not for you, God's against you, God's left you, your best days are behind you, he's finished with you, nothing good's coming in your future, or you start believing, no, God is with me, God is for me. Things might look dark right now, we might be barren, but God's got something new he's about to do on the horizon. My best days are still in front of me. I'm pregnant with a promise. I'm pregnant with miracles. I'm pregnant with favor. God's about to show up. What do you believe? What are you conceiving on the inside of your heart? David said this in Psalm 23, verse six, surely his goodness and favor follow me all the days of my life. David said that when he was being chased down by King Saul who was trying to throw spears at him. He was being chased by a murderer, but he switched his belief. Instead of confessing what he saw in the present, never name your future based on your present circumstances. Don't allow your present, your present circumstances are a lie. God's about to do something greater in your life. Don't let your present circumstances become a permanent vision in your mind. David saw spears being thrown. He said, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You surround me with the shield of favor and songs of deliverance. So the haters can't touch me. The spears won't come through. I got a force field around me. Somebody say favor is following me. Come on. You need to switch your confession and start believing that favors coming your way. Number two, receive, receive. Everything in the earth from the very beginning of creation carries a system, a system, and the system is seeds and harvest, seed time and harvest. God created this from the very beginning of the earth. This is why God doesn't have to wake up every day and say, let there be more humans, (laughs) because the first two humans he created, he, he created the idea of the seed of man and the egg of the woman. The only reproductive relationship is a male and a female. Two males can't reproduce, two females can't reproduce. So God created seed time and harvest. In the same way, there's trees. The trees that we see today, they started out as a seed. The seed was dropped in the soil. The soil received the seed. Now, I'm a tree guy. I love planting trees. I love watching the the trees grow through the ground. I love planting the seed, seeing the seed start to produce But the Bible says there's soils that don't work. There's thorny soil, there's rocky soil, there's shallow soil, and then there's good soil. And I believe victory is good soil. But Jesus said, the farmer went out to sow seed. In the same way, God was looking for someone to receive the promise. In Luke chapter one, he was looking for someone to receive the Messiah, someone who could conceive. Conception starts with reception. You've gotta receive the seed. The, 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 The woman cannot become pregnant if she does not receive the seed. If the egg does not receive the seed, then she cannot carry the child. Jesus said there's soils that just won't produce. Thorny soil, he's talking about people who are carrying bitterness, strife, anger. They'll hear a message, but it won't take root because there's hate in their heart towards people around them. There's bitterness, there's strife, there's turmoil, there's chaos in their mind, they're not receiving it. Then there's shallow soil, people who, who want it, but they're not willing to endure to see the seed come through. Then there's rocky soil, rocky soil, just people who are skeptical, unbelieving, sit in the room and go, not buying this. It's not gonna work for me. But the good soil produces a hundredfold harvest. And today, as I'm preaching, some of you are receiving the seed in your heart. You're saying, that's it. I'm going to receive favor this year. I'm going to receive joy this year. I receive peace this year for my family. I receive provision this year for my family. I receive everything I need. Somebody say, I receive it. I receive it. When I started working for my mom and dad here at the church, I graduated college and I had been uh, working with a band, I'd been working as a janitor at ORU, I was a real estate guy, I'd worked several jobs, and I was so excited to get that part-time job here at the church. I had worked at the church before as a camp counselor in different positions, but now I was 23 years old, I was working in the ministry, and I remember my dad gave me a key, and, and, and it was a key to my office, he gave it to me through my supervisor, and I had you know other keys connected to it, my car keys, other keys, what I didn't realize is that key had the power to unlock several other doors. No one told me that. So I would walk around and I'd be locked outside of doors and I thought, I can't get into this door. So I'd call the security guard, call a janitor. Can you come unlock it? Why doesn't your dad give you more keys? I don't know. And I'd go to my dad. Why won't you give me more keys? I'm your son. You give the janitors more keys than me. They got so many keys. You won't even give me. He said, Paul, you have what you need. You have what you need. Turn to the person next to say, you have what you need. And sure enough, after he had passed, many times I was locked outside of the doors of our church until one night I called a security guard. Hey, could you let me in? I just want to come in and worship and pray. He said, I'm locking up doors at the other buildings. It's going to be an hour before I can get over there. You'll have to wait. So I start trying to break into the doors of our church, punching the glass door, trying to shimmy my credit card between the crack. I can't get into our church. I'm looking up at heaven. Why didn't you give me more keys? And then I stuck the key that I had into the door, thinking maybe I'll wiggle it around and put my credit card here and jam and try to pull the door. And when I stuck it in, it fit perfectly. I thought, that's weird. And then I turned it and it unlocked the door. And I was so amazed. What's happening? And I came inside the church and I went to our choir room and unlocked that door. Then I came in here and unlocked this door. And I realized, I had the master key the whole time. I didn't know that I had what I needed that could unlock every door. It was one of the greatest revelations for me, church, because what God was wanting me to receive was that Christ in me was everything I needed to pastor this church. I did not need the validation of every family member. I didn't need the affirmation of all the pastors. I didn't need the approval of the board or everyone else. All I needed to know is that God had put inside of me everything I needed to fulfill the mission, the vision, the purpose, the plan. And I'm telling you today, if you'll receive this, because the next thing that happened is the angel shows up to Mary And the angel says in verse uh, 28, the angel shows up to the Virgin Mary who has no relationship in this moment, no marriage. And the angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. The angel does not say you will be favored. You will be blessed. The angel says you already are. You already are. You already have the master key. You already have everything you need. The blessing is already on you. The blessing is now coming through you. I didn't come to put something in you. You didn't have. I came to make you aware of who you already are. The greatest revelation we can have as believers for the Christians in the room is that we don't need anything added to us. We need to become aware of what's already inside of us. Some of you are waiting for God to anoint you. And God says, Christ in you is the hope of glory. You don't need Benny Hinn to lay hands on you. You don't need Bishop T.D. Jakes to proclaim a blessing over you. You are blessed and highly favored because you are a child of God. Everything you need, every door that hasn't opened yet, the peace, the prosperity, the increase, the miracles, the healing in your marriage, the victory over that addiction, the freedom from that problem, the orphanage you're called to build, the money you're called to have, everything you need, it's inside you. God put it inside you. Now it's time to come out. You are pregnant with a promise pregnant with provision. Somebody say I'm pregnant with a promise. Now, it sounds strange. Mary asked the question, how could this happen? She said, how am I going to have this happen since I am a virgin and I do not know a man? That's our problem with receiving what God wants to do is we're oftentimes hooked. We're hooked so much to the validation of man That we think, if I don't know a man, if I don't have the connections, if I don't have the committee, if they're not for me, how's God going to do this? God says, I'm going to do it all by myself. I don't have to call a board meeting to do this. I don't have to get the approval of everyone else. If I said it, I'm going to do it. That settles it. It's going to happen. In fact, the angel said, this is why I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born within you will be the Son of God. Yes, your your cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. She who was called barren is now able to conceive. God called you what you are not so that you can become what he says. God calls you blessed. You say, how can I be blessed when people call me poor? How can I be strong when people call me weak? How can I be the overcomer when people say I'm defeated? How can I be anointed when people say I'm a mess? How can I have peace when people say that I'm chaotic? How can I be the man of God that I'm called to be when people say that I'm an addict? Because you become who God says you are. You don't need men to say who you are. All you need is what God says you are. Do you receive that seed this morning? Okay, number three, surrender your plans for his purpose. Surrender. Number one, believe. Number two, receive. Number three, surrender. So the angel says, nothing shall be impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, be it unto me according to your word. Let it be with me, just as you say. Mary was counting the cost. She was pondering in her heart, pregnancy changes you. Pregnancy changes. My wife and I, we've had three sons, and um, this time last year, Ashley was pregnant. She was carrying our son, Mac, and her immune system was down, and and so she was feeling all the the intensity in the first trimester, and and as we've had each child, I've learned that, that pregnancy changes. My wife, for that season, for that nine months, I'm going to try to not dig myself in a hole here. I asked Ashley if I could talk about this today, so I got permission. I said, what changes with pregnancy? She says, well, you know, you don't fit into the clothes you used to fit into. Your wardrobe changes. Your attitude, your feelings change a little bit. Not your attitude. Your feelings change a little bit. You start wanting to change the climate in the house. You start wanting to change. Not everybody sees you the same way, and you start feeling uncomfortable. The closer you get towards delivery, the more uncomfortable it becomes. Some of you are feeling uncomfortable right now, and it's because God's getting ready to deliver something through you. God's getting ready to bring something through you. God's stirring up a discomfort in you. You don't fit into the circles of gossip that you used to fit into You don't fit into the circles of slander. You don't fit into the circles of people who are jealous. You just, there's something changing in your heart. You don't fit into the circles of of going outside and taking the smoke break with everyone. There's something changing. You go, "I, I can't smoke. I'm pregnant. I got something inside. I can't put that in my lungs. I can't do what I used to do. I'm carrying something inside me that's precious. And it's changing me. It's changing my nutrition. It's changing my cravings. Pregnancy will change your cravings. And if you don't surrender, you miss out on what God wants to do. I want the keys to come up. Mary said, let it be unto me. Mary knew this pregnancy might end her relationship with her boyfriend. You might have to say goodbye to some people that you've been connected to. You might have to let go of some addictions you've been holding on to. Surrender is to say, Lord, I'm all yours. You can have me. My soil is fertile. I'm ready for the miracles and the promises that you want to bring into my life. I'll never forget planting this tree in a specific area in the yard and waited for a year and a half and it just would not grow. It looked like it was dying. And I called a tree expert who knew more than me. I said, what should I do? He said, you still have time to transplant it to another part in your your yard. Chances are that soil right there is not the right soil for it to grow. So I moved it about 20 feet in the same yard, but just in a different place. And that tree just started to shoot up in the next year, just started growing. I didn't realize I had soil problems on that spot where I planted it. And some of us right now, there's some soil problem. There's a reason why the dream has not come to pass. It's because there's some unsurrendered areas in your heart, the soil of your heart. There's some bitterness, some hurt, some pain, some strife, some addictions, some things you've been holding on to. You want God's blessings, but you won't surrender to God's way. You want his benefits, but you won't be committed to him. In 1976, there was a man named George who was pulled over for drinking while driving. The police officer knew who he was, and he knew that George had started drinking in his teenage years, his early 20s. It was just a few drinks every week with some of his close friends, business friends, but he didn't know how to control it. And by, the, by his late 20s, he started drinking every night multiple drinks where he was drinking hard drinks. And in his early 30s, he became a full blown alcoholic, drunk every night, oftentimes driving while drunk. The police officer said, George, you know you got a future. You can't keep doing this. You got a future. You got to stop this. Could have taken him to jail that night, but instead let him go home, followed him home. George went home to his wife crying, said, I got to change. I got a future in front of me. I got a destiny. His wife, Barbara had been praying for him to change. George, you got to change. You can't hold on to this habit and expect the future that God has in store for you. That night, George W. quit cold turkey. He went on to become the President of the United States. He's been sober for 40 years now, following God's plan for his life, 39 years, 2018. He said, I never went back. I knew I had a future for me. Robert, he was an actor. He had acted in a few small films and he started dabbling with cigarettes and then marijuana, then got into some hard drugs, cocaine, and then started getting into methamphetamine and crack cocaine and he got caught with all these drugs. Had to go to prison, thought his career is over, felt like his best days were behind him. He couldn't break these habits. He was so hooked to the drugs. But someone started speaking to him, telling him, Robert, you got a future. There's more in store. I know you think you've seen your best days, but you haven't yet, Robert. Stop throwing it away for these momentary pleasures that just make you emptier and emptier. Surrender. So Robert checked himself into a rehab center and Robert started to get clean. He's been clean since 2003. Robert Downey Jr. thought he would never get an opportunity again to act. Mel Gibson gave him a chance. Then he went on to take on the opportunity to be Iron Man in the Marvel comic movies. Now he's one of the highest paid actors. Why? He stopped messing around with stuff that was hurting his destiny. Some of you are carrying a baby and you are aborting it because you keep going back to the old stuff. And God says, if you would just surrender, I want to bring something so much greater in your future. But you got to let go of those habits that you keep holding on to. Everybody say surrender. Number four, surround yourself with pregnant people. Surround yourself with pregnant people. I'm not saying go out and find a bunch of pregnant women to hang out with. They're going to look at you and be like, this is strange. I have a husband. Get away from me. I'm saying hang around people of faith who are carrying promises on the inside, who believe that there's a destiny inside of them. It says in verse 39, at that time, Mary didn't waste a second. She went straight to the hill countryside of Judea, and she found her relative in Zechariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth, who had been hiding in secrecy. Now, Elizabeth had pulled away in seclusion. Sometimes the promise, the dream... God has to pull you away from the public. He has to prepare you in private before he promotes you in public. God pulls you into seclusion. He gets you ready. This is why in high school there was times where I wasn't always invited to all the parties. I wasn't always uh, the guy that people wanted to hang out with or talk to. And oftentimes on Friday nights, I would find myself honestly crying because I felt like I was left out. I, I didn't fit in. And I remember one Friday night, even in college, I wasn't always getting to hang out with all the, the cool kids. And I was inside the, the piano room at Timco Barton. I was worshiping on a Friday night. And I heard God say, I'm preparing you in private for what I have for you in your future. You, you, it's not going to feel that you can't hang out like you used to. The environment that I I need to cultivate what I've put inside you, it's different. You can't just go do everything you used to do. You can't fit in with every single crowd. There's a reason why you don't fit in. Mary had to pull away from where she was to get around the right people. She needed to find someone who was pregnant. She needed to find someone who was carrying a promise, someone who was carrying something from God. And when she came to Elizabeth's house, now Elizabeth had been in seclusion. She had not felt a kick. She was in her third trimester. She was about to have this baby, but she wasn't sure if the baby was still alive because she hadn't felt a kick in a long time. But at the sound of Mary's knocking on the door, when she heard the knock, The Bible says Elizabeth opened the door and she felt a leap on the inside. The baby started doing cartwheels, started doing jumps, started doing backflips and frontflips. Why? Because she found someone who was carrying something she was carrying. She was around someone who was pregnant with a promise, who was pregnant with a destiny. God's going to bring people into your life that make the dreams jump on the inside you. If someone's at the door and you open it up and the baby's not jumping, you need to be careful who you let into your house. You need to be careful what kind of characters you're putting, that that you're not casting your pearls before people who don't care about your dreams. People who are putting you down, who are negative, who are toxic, who are hating on you, who are jealous of what God's put on the inside you. You need to find a Mary in your life. There's something about Mary that she just stirs up the dream on the inside. She stirs up the promise on the inside. And when Mary greeted Elizabeth, the baby leaped on the inside and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit and Elizabeth shouted to Mary, how blessed are you among women? Something was changing as they were together. Sparks were flying. There was a divine connection between Mary and Elizabeth. I'm speaking over you this morning. God has divine connections. God has partners in ministry. God has partners for your business. God has other ladies in your life that that are going to help you as a mom. God has other men in your life that are going to help you as a man of God. When you go to men's discipleship track at Victory, women's discipleship track at Victory, you start getting around people that cause the dreams inside you to leap, that say you can be free from that addiction. You can get out of that problem. You don't have to carry that bitterness any longer. You're called to be a mighty man of God. Who is your Mary? Who is your Elizabeth? And who will you be a Mary to in your life? Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your crew, and I'll tell you your view. You hang around skeptics, you'll be skeptical. You hang around faith-filled people, it just rubs off. You start getting pregnant with promises. You start getting filled with potential. It changes the way you pray. Instead of praying, oh God, oh, I just hope that you'll show up this week. Oh, I just don't know if anything's in store for my future. Nothing's going to turn around. You start praying, Lord, I thank you. Favors is coming my way. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I know I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You cause me to lie down in green pastures. You're restoring my soul. Yay, God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that my cup runneth over more than enough. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When you hang around faith filled people, it changes your language. You start speaking a new language. You start thinking new thoughts. Show me your crew and I'll show you your view. Number five, praise before the promise shows up. Final point right here. Praise before the promise comes to pass. Mary heard Elizabeth greet her and Mary's response was a worship song. She said, my soul. Magnifies the Lord and my spirit will rejoice in God, my savior, for he has seen this low estate of mine. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His favor extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's raised up a horn of salvation for me in the house of his servant David. Salvation from our enemies, from the hand of everyone who's hated me. He's showing favor to his ancestors. He's remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to his father Abraham. Can I tell you, church, this 13-year-old girl, she was steeped in the theological, hermeneutical understanding of the word of God. She wasn't just singing a Barney song, I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. She was talking about the oath to Father Abraham. She was singing a song of worship. She was singing the scriptures as a 13-year-old girl pregnant with the promise. Her world was changing. She was praising God before the promise came to pass. It's easy to praise God after the promise comes to pass. It's easy to give thanks after you get blessed. It's easy to do a hallelujah dance after you're debt free. After God heals your marriage. After you have peace. After you feel joyful. After the depression is gone. After the chaos is over. After you've raised the kids and they're all good now. After everything's worked out. After you get married. It takes true faith to praise before the marriage happens. Before the breakthrough shows up. Before God heals your body. Before you get free of that sickness. Before you get Healed before that addiction is broken. You've got to learn to praise before the promise shows up. I want you to stand your feet all over this room because we're going to end with praise. Mary was praising God before her promise showed up. I look right here on my left, and Mark and Natalie Kresge down here, they have a powerful testimony because for their first four years of marriage, they were believing God to get pregnant and it wasn't coming to pass. They went to see the doctor, the doctor said, No, you guys can't have children. It won't happen. If it does happen, it would have to be a miracle. They started looking into all the ways that they might have children. It was just two years ago at Christmas time that we were here in a church service, and I was preaching a sermon like this. And we were talking about faith. And we had a guest speaker that next week on a Wednesday night share a story how God birthed in them A a dream in their heart to have children and they started praying for people at the end who were believing God to get pregnant Mark and Natalie came down to the altar staff members at our church we prayed over them within a few months Natalie found out she was pregnant it was a miracle they just had their baby boy Jude's first birthday this past year celebrating his happy birthday one years old what happened They learned how to worship before the miracle showed up. They learned how to believe that God could do anything, that nothing was impossible. They received the word of God. They didn't say, well, that's 2,000 years ago, or that only works for certain people. It doesn't work for all of us. They started changing their mind, their heart. They started getting in line with faith that God could do it. I could go through a list of people in this church right now that have been healed, that have been set free. In fact, one guy who went through our discipleship track He had a really bad track record, had a lot of things in his past. In fact, he he went to prison many, many years ago. Wasn't sure if God could ever redeem him. He just graduated our discipleship track, got a whole new mindset, whole new attitude, brand new. I mean, God has done so much in this man's life. Don't ever count yourself out. You're not too old. You're not too young. God uses all people, red, yellow, black and white. We are all precious in his sight. God's a God who does multi-generational miracles. In Numbers 21, the Israelites came upon a dry well. They were thirsty. They needed water. And when they showed up to this dry well, they were so discouraged because they were expecting it to have water. It was one of Abraham's old wells. And they were wandering in the wilderness, and it didn't have any water. They could have complained. They could have walked away, felt discouraged. But instead, the Bible says they started singing to the well. They started singing a song, Spring up, O well. Spring up a oh well within my soul. Spring up a oh well and make me whole. Spring up a oh well. They started singing over that well. They started singing over the dry well, and as they started singing, the water started springing. As they started singing over what was dry, what was barren, what was dead, as they started worshiping in the middle of the barrenness, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the disappointment, in the middle of their shortage, they started praising, and the promise showed up. Some of you have walked away from a promise, and God says, you got to start praising again. It's not a stillborn baby. You didn't have a miscarriage. It's still in there. God says, I still got that dream in store for you. I still have that book for you to write. I still have that ministry for you. I still have that bonus, that promotion. I still have that breakthrough for your family. I still have that turnaround for your son. I still want to do something great in your life. Don't you think that I'm done? What I started in you, I plan to finish. And it will be a flourishing finish in Jesus' name come on let's praise god for a few minutes in this moment this atmosphere come and join us right here right now whatever it is bring it to the altar this christmas lay it down at the altar say god i'm stirring up my faith my hope that you're not finished yet god that you've got plans and promises and potential and dreams in jesus name yeah that's it bring it to the altar you're the god of miracles if you're here this morning and you're believing for a turnaround in your life you're believing God to get pregnant again you're believing God for children to return back to Jesus you're believing to get peace free from that depression free from that pain that heartache bring it to the altar I believe in you God you're the God of miracles I believe in Jesus name I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God